0: Welcome to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. My guest today is Henry Barajas, a Latinx author from Tucson, Arizona. He was at one time a volunteer DJ and producer for KXCI. He is best known for his graphic memoir about his great grandfather, Ramon Harigue, entitled La Voz de Mayo Tatarambo. He has contributed to anthologies that benefit the mass shooting Route 91 victims and the Southern Poverty Law Center, such as Where We Live and The Good Fight. Currently, Henry Barajas is the director of operations at Top Cow Productions. He also has a new series called Helm Grey Castle, and the first part is going to be released on April 28th. Welcome, Henry.
1: Uh, thank you, Amanda. It's such an honor to be on your show. I've been listening for years.
0: Well, I've been following your graphic novel career for years, too. Talk about how you got started as a writer.
1: Um, You know, it's really the only thing I know how to do. Uh, when I was a kid, I was really bad at math. I probably almost didn't graduate like high school, like uh, when I was going to Tucson High, they sent me to the like, uh, the they they dropped me in a math class into like a very, I, they, I hate to like be so crass, but it just was for people that just didn't really get math and I just remember feeling really stupid and not really thinking I'd really go anywhere. And your whole life, you're told you're going to college and you're going to do really well academically. And then when I couldn't breach a certain part in school, I felt like I was never going to amount to anything. So I ended up dropping out and just um, never thinking I'd ever be a writer. And, um, when I became a banker, I was a under, mortgage underwriter, starting in 2008. Uh, fresh out of a, a, a bill collecting job that I had, I decided that I was going to write about comics. And someone named Heidi McDonald gave me an opportunity for a website called Comicspeed.com, where I was writing about whatever I wanted. And I eventually was able to use that. Background uh, or advice like that—that that writing um, experience to write at the Arizona Daily Star—and I was I started off from the bottom as their newsroom assistant, answering phones, answering the mail, faxes, listening to police scanner, and just uh, doing everything I can to gain the trust of the editors around me, and was able to start writing about things that were happening locally, and I started off writing the neighborhood briefs you know as we all know newspapers are a are, you know it's a, it's more of a it's not as readily available but it was it's a basically direct to subscriber service and a lot of elderly people love reading about dogs and um, what was happening in their areas so um i eventually was able to work at the Tucson Weekly as an online editor and i got to there really flex and Figure out who I was as a writer. And in between all this, I was writing and self publishing my own comic books and really not knowing what would ever come of it and not getting a lot of responses from publishers. And then I learned that if I ever wanted to do anything, I had to do it on my own and and publish it on my own and kind of cultivate an audience of people. So comics was just like, you know, uh, as as, uh, you know, roots grounded as Kci where you're just like trying to get whoever is around you and expanding as far as you can from there. But um, yeah, so now I'm in the comic book business which is a business I've always wanted to, to be in as a kid. And uh, it's not easy, but like, you know, being in radio there wasn't a lot of opportunities and a lot of radio stations aren't around anymore and it becomes really like bare bones. And I'm a part of a small operation at Top Cow Productions where we're servicing a big clientele that's not as big as it used to be in the 90s and still trying to keep people happy. And I have an opportunity to write new stories like Mayo* and Helm Greycastle and Talk about things that really, like I was doing at the Tucson Weekly, that really speak to me personally and as a a person of color in this this country.
0: You're listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson, and our guest today is Henry Barajas. Henry, tell us more about La Voz de Mayo and what that meant for you personally and professionally. La Voz de Mayo
1: was, uh, you know, I was at the end of my rope when I started writing that book because I didn't have a full-time job. I was actually doing a weekly show at KXCI. And if it weren't for you and and Kathy, giving me an opportunity to develop a program called Out Loud, and we ended up becoming, it ended up becoming Out Loud and Proud, um, that was able to give me some financial stability And I was writing about people in the community that were of the LGBTQ community and realizing how small that community was in my life. And it really expanded in my life, doing more research and and meeting new people and going to different LGBTQ um, events and meetings and learning about uh, the uh, beautiful part of our community. and. Um, I was able to, you know, afford to start my journey of writing Voz de Mayo* because of that, and I wanted to write about my great grandfather because he was in and out of the VA and he wasn't doing doing well uh, health wise, and I wanted to get him on the record before he uh, left this earth, and it was a uh, it was an amazing experience because I learned that he helped the Pascoyaki tribe keep their land out um, in Old Pasqua, which is off of uh, the I-10. And that's where they practice their um, beautiful fariseos, uh Christian, Native American, um, uh, beautiful ceremonies. And that have been going on since the 1800s, celebrating Easter and the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And knowing how important that was to Tucson and how, dis- how it distinguished it, it to the rest of the state. And my great-grandmother was a Native American woman, um, Pascua Yaki, and he was doing it to protect his family and to protect the community. And um, it kind of took all his attention, which took him away from home. And it, that was a, like a recurring theme that I learned about him was he wasn't really home, but he was really fighting for his community. And I was able to get a hold of Congressman Raul Grijalva and talk to him about his contributions and how my great grandfather helped him um, run for TUSD school board. And that's what launched his career. And just knowing that my great grandfather's impact in someone like Grijalva making a lasting um, impression that has benefited us in so many ways, not just Arizona and Tucson, but in the country and his dedication to undocumented folks and, and the uh, indigenous people of Arizona and also of the the, the country. And um, learning that he was a writer like me. And I always felt like an outsider in my family. And I always felt like I couldn't really relate to anyone because I wasn't working a trade job. I was on the radio. I was doing funny plays with David Fitzsimmons once or twice a year. And, and having someone who had created an impact like that was really... It was really gave me a lot of hope for the future and what we could do in this country and, and how important it is to organize and inform everyone around you. So I wrote a graphic novel called La de Mayo with Jay Gonzo. He's a b- artist based in Phoenix. Uh, we kickstarted the comic and then it got published by Image Comics and Top Cow Productions and it got uh, worldwide distribution. I uh, was able to de- debut the book in, in London in uh, November, 2019. And uh, people had recognized it and already were start supporting it at the comic book shops there. And uh, it's been recently recognized as one of the top 2020 graphic novels for adults and also is being sold at the Smithsonian's bookshop. And uh, it's like a kid that I had for five years that I had made for five years. And now it's a college kid and it's gone off and has its own life and it never calls me anymore. It's not in my mind and heart like it used to be but people are now finding it and having informing and opinions about it and there's no control i have in that in that art anymore and it's beautiful and scary
0: what was it like to learn more about your great-grandfather
1: it was like both a gift and a curse because a lot of what he had done wasn't recognized by the city of tucson wasn't in any in a lot of historical texts and Um, the the tribe itself, the Pasco Yaqui tribe, um, I had talked to one of their head people and they said that there was a lot of people that helped them. And that's why La Voz de Mayo, the voice of Mexican-American Yaqui and others, weren't prominent in their history or in their museums or library as I had gone to both and saw little to nothing, if more on the nothing side. And it was um, something that my family had, I had a hard time with because they felt that my great-grandfather uh, was one of the direct reasons why they have old Pasqua and why they were able to flourish in new Pasqua and keep land and be federally recognized and and have some, you know, get the reparations that they deserve because a lot of tribes in the United States aren't recognized and aren't getting the reparations. And it's almost uh, nearly impossible to get that recognition when you don't have treaty rights. So, A part of me wanted to kind of uh, put that to rest in my family and like say, hey, here, you know, just because it's not everywhere. Here's a way for us to celebrate him and celebrate his flaws and celebrate him as a human being and as an American who was a World War Two veteran, celebrate him as a Chicano activist, someone who had worked alongside Cesar Chavez and it just learning. And, and it, it was just one of those things where it became kind of maddening where I, I kept digging and digging and digging. And I had a certain point I had to stop and just build on what I had and move forward with it because I could have done that forever. And um, it was really exciting and beautiful to do something like that and have something like that in my life where I can hang that hat and say, I'm done with comics and never do another comic again, because that's what I set out to do was something, tell a story no one can tell, tell a story that um, props up Native American and Mexican American people in this country. Because when we think about those revolutionaries, there aren't a lot of people that are being celebrated, like we have Cesar Chavez Day, we don't have a Dolores Huerta Day, which we deserve. There, I, it's really hard for me to come up with any names, right, of people that are of Native American indigenous in this country that get a day of recognition that's what I want to change. And that's what La Vos de Mayo was a step forward for.
0: And now you're working on a fantasy.
1: Yeah. When I was doing the research for La Vos de Mayo, I learned that this was the struggles that the Yaqui people had dated back to the um, Spanish uh, invasion and how Yaquis were pushed up north of Mexico. And then uh, they were at war with the Mexican government again and had teamed up with the French and they lost that war and was pushed up again into Arizona, into what we know now as Arizona. And well, a friend of mine, the guy who was working on La Voz de Mayo, Gonzo, would, would say we are both blood of the indigenous and the conqueror. And I always thought that was interesting and not really knowing that about myself and then kind of feeling tricked because I had gone to the amazing Tucson Unified School District my whole life and not really learning about the Spanish invasion and learning about something that really directly speaks to me. And uh, I'm not fluent in Spanish. I understand it and can read some of it. But I learned that my people didn't know Spanish, They, they were speaking Nahuatl. And so learning about the Aztecs and the Mayans and all those tribes, learning about how they were, they believed in gods, and they believed in war and sacrifice, and they had created the calendar. And created you know, so much cuisine that we still eat to this day, learned that they believed in shamans and be telling the future and magic. And they had so much beautiful artifacts and and buildings that it, it lended itself really well to a fantasy series. And I'm a big fan of Tolkien and fantasy. And I like to play D&D with my friends once a week on Zoom now. And I realized that whenever I play, there's just no... There is no Spanish or Mexican flavor or basic flavor. And this all this really lends well to that. And I wanted to kind of bring those worlds together in a way that I haven't seen done before. So Helm Grey Castle is coming out in April. It's my first fantasy series. And it's also a departure of what I'm known for in La Voz de Mayo. Like I don't want people to think I only want to write about historical uh, narratives, but I really want to like kind of show the range that I have as a storyteller. And it's basically what if the uh, Spanish conquistadors lost the Mexican invasion and they had, and now we have this extended life with the Aztecs and they become a little bit more insular and become more militaristic and decide to hide themselves from everyone else so that they can forward themselves. And we have these adventures coming in and... There are in this unknown world, which is still the Aztecs buildings and we're still finding artifacts. And we it's it seems plausible that these people can come in and be like, oh, here, this is a beautiful new world. How do we how do we exist in this and and how do these people respond to a war and a pandemic? A lot of the Aztecs were killed because of the diseases that the Spanish brought in. So wanted to kind of talk about those things and and how do what, how do they respond to a life after that, and and be a, a thriving civilization again?
0: Do you have all four parts completed already?
1: Um, no, and that's kind of the beauty of what I'm doing for the first. time. because with La Voz de Mayo, I knew where I was going, I knew what what the end of that book was, and this I know the end, but I it's the the journey of getting into the end is is a lot of fun is uh, creating something that's never been done before, that I can't go back to historical notes and have a more clear path for myself. So I'm really excited to have something that I'm just making it off the top of my head. I can't believe people do this for a living, you know? <laughs> and uh, I'm really excited to to tell a story. But the other thing about this book that I think what will attract a lot of people that aren't just comic book readers is there is a Game uh, for D and D Dungeons and Dragons um, type of uh, role playing game, so you can operate in this world and have fun with friends. And I want this comic to be interactive, so that you can actually put the little plastic miniatures that you have on the comic and use it as a as a game board and kind of make it come to life in a way that that you that it used to do for me when I was a kid, where you could cut out pictures and tape them to cardboard and make this whole scenery set and want to make it something that doesn't just go in a box, you know, or in a shelf forever where you can keep playing with it and have fun with it. And yeah, no, I'm really excited for it. It's, uh, it's very scary. It's, it's a much more daunting task than, than La Voz de Mayo was. Cause like you said, it's still in development in my head. And and having fun with making these characters relatable and funny and deadly and having so many different layers and trying to tell a story that people appreciate.
0: You're listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson, and my guest today is author Henry Barajas. Henry, one of the things that I've been really impressed with as I see you uh right, but is also producing your books and working on successful Kickstarter campaigns to be able to finance your work. And uh, there's there's a lot of Kickstarters in this world, and we hear about some of them that go viral, but a lot of them don't succeed. How has that worked for you to be successful at that?
1: Um, I think collecting money is something I've done my whole life. When I was 16 years old, I was a bill collector. I had to call people and say, you owe money, I need your money. (laughs) You know, and I worked for a bank learning how to be financially sound and learning about, you know, budgeting and learning about being practical with yourself. And then I got to raise money for kxi for a long time and learn how to do that every day and come in and just be somewhat shameless about it and under and let everyone know that this is really important you know like and if you're listening right now you should donate to KXCI. don't wait for the uh the drives because every every day counts and when I'm working, you know, when I'm crowdfunding on my own, I really budget everything to a point where it's very bare bones. It's very, it covers printing, it covers, we cover taxes, we cover um, shipping um, materials. We also, I also work with Cream Forever, which is a Tucson based uh, print shop, and they make my shirts and apparel. So I have to make sure they're paid and the shipping costs to send to me in LA. Um, and then I'm have to also worry about shipping the books. There is, I have to budget for that, which, you know, for this home Grey Castle, I have to save $2,000. And once I get those books, that money is going to be gone so quickly. So, um, I'm hardly ever paying myself because I know that it's really important that everyone around me, the artists, the letter person that puts all the word balloons together and uh the colorist the person who colors the art uh the cover artists we have i was able to trick a couple of amazing cover artists to draw for me like david lapham the creator of stray bullets uh, becky clunan who's best known for batman and working on so many amazing comics um those people aren't cheap and they were also gracious enough to work with me on a more smaller scale. So um, also just learning that that I also was able to get friends to to promote it for me. I'm not the only one talking about it. And also having a history in the in press, was able to get the word out and get voices and get people that I would have never been able to reach on my own. So... It's a it's a thirty day campaign to raise money, and every day counts. And also, you have to understand when to when to pull back. When there's you know, sometimes you're promoting an event, and there's a insurrection happening at the Capitol, and you got to know when when's the time not to promote something like that. So it's I think there's a lot of savvy business and marketing to have, that that goes along with this and. I used to also do stand up in in Tucson at Laps and Rialto and Fox. My mentor, uh, Gary Hood used to say this is the entertainment business. So I learned a lot about the fact that if you're not drawing, you know, you're it's really hard to be an artist or to to be able to work in these spaces and make money for not just yourself but also the venue. So I also have to make sure that Helm Greycastle is a successful business interest for the publisher I'm working with Image Comics and Top Cow Productions and being able to market it in such a way that it is advantageous for them. So um cultivating emails and getting, you know, newsletter going and doing my own video Facebook video live interviews and using all that experience I had at KXCI to be able to to talk and and enjoy my company with whoever I'm talking to, and being able to you know talk and about my project in a way that that doesn't seem boring and uh, makes sense, and everyone can get behind.
0: Henry Barajas, what are some of your upcoming plans?
1: <laughs> That's funny. Everyone always asks that when you're like trying to work on something, you're like, "What's next?" <laughs> um. What are my upcoming plans? I'd like to do uh, a true crime story that's about somebody in Tucson. And I don't want to say who it is um, because they're not as well known. And I love Tucson and I, I just always want to write about it. It's I don't know why. I need to find a different city <laughs> to consume my creative passion, but no, I, I, love Tucson. I miss it every day. Um, I'd love at the end of La Voz de Mayo, spoiler alert for everyone. I want to, I want to do a book about Dolores Huerta. That'd be cool to kind of document all the things that she's done. I want to write more, you know, I want to keep writing about s- these weird ideas that I have that I have no business telling, but people seem to dig it and want to support me. So, yeah, I would like to be a little bit more acquainted with the film and television space because I feel like they're a little bit more um, keen on having people of color work on projects and I know comic books aren't. They're not uh, looking for people like myself, at least the people who hire. So I'm lucky to have found a publisher and to work for a publisher that is that values that. So I'm, I'm lucky, but also I recognize that privilege.
0: Do you have any tips for aspiring young writers?
1: Um, yeah, the best tip I ever got was to write. And it's hard, it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to be creative in such a troubling time. Um, at least I have been finding myself uh, kind of hitting a wall more times than I've ever have in my life. Um, self-publishing. Going, I started my comic book publishing career at the Kinko's on Speedway and, no, not Speedway, Broadway in Craycroft by the Olive Garden across the street from the Toys R Us. I used to go there and print my stuff at midnight because I knew the midnight clerk was less, uh, less of a company person <laughs> than when I'd get somebody at nine, be able to test paper and see what I could do. I hope they're not working there anymore. I don't get them in trouble. Also, if you're if you're a writer, you know, join anthologies, short stories for prose, poetry. I know Tucson has an amazing poetry community, especially for women and non-binary uh, authors. Um, for comics, writing short stories, putting them on Instagram. Everyone's on Instagram. Everyone's, you know, it's easy to get eyes there. If you want to print something, yeah, like, you know, print it at a Kinko's or do a print on demand thing, get a couple of your friends to do some short stories and create an anthology. That's what I did. And that's how I got my job here. And, um, yeah, just, uh, don't be afraid to fail. I think is one of the biggest things because your first thing you're ever going to write, no one's going to read. And even at this point in my career, I don't think, and I am pretty confident people are going to buy it and just let it sit on their bookshelf or in their comic book uh, short box, you know? I know I have a couple of novels that I haven't cracked open yet. So just just make it and do everything you can to make it and, and be good to people and people will be good to you and, and hopefully support your, your wacky dream to be a storyteller.
0: Henry Barajas, how do people keep up to date with your work?
1: they have to look to the West and uh, watch the sunset and something will tell them. No, uh, I will. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me there offending my, um, my family with politically driven posts. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, you can find me in Antigone You can go to your local bookstore. Uh, Lavosa Mayo is there waiting for you. Uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me actually or your local library uh, there's there's 30 copies of La Vos in Tucson I think and circulating through the Pima County uh, library system and also on Hoopla Overdrive I'm on all the iTunes books you can find me there or your local comic shop ask them to get Helm Grey Castle and they will hook it up
0: We'll have to leave it there. You've been listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. And my guest today has been Henry Barajas, a Latinx author from Tucson, Arizona, now living in Los Angeles. He was at one time a volunteer DJ and producer for KXCI. He's best known for his graphic memoir about his great grandfather, Titled La Voz de Mayo, Tataramba. He's contributed extensively to anthologies and he's about to launch the first part of a four part series. Uh, Helm Gray Castle number one is coming out on April 28th and you can find that wherever you find your graphic novels. You can find this and all recent episodes of 30 Minutes on the 30 Minutes program page at kxci.org, where you can subscribe to the podcast and find our social media. Thank you for listening. I'm Amanda Schrager.